Champions League, oh yeah, it's that time of year again, ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of the Night Shift Football Podcast, where we hope the late nights footy is treating you well and make all your teams be gathering up the points. Another week of Prem has come and gone, and this week all the big boys are back for the bleak early mornings that are the UEFA Champions League group stages. All right, episode 125. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Tommy's here with me once again. Hello. Wrapped. Hello. Wrapped. What are you wrapped with? I thought you were going to ask how I am. I just preempted the well, intro. Okay. That's, I didn't ask how you were. You shouldn't assume. Sure. Uh, Cooper, how are you? I am very good. Thank I you for care. asking, Sam. Oh, oh. Good. All right. Let's jump straight into some, into some footy stuff. Tommy, I was going to open tonight by asking you uh, how much. How much would you be willing to pay to go to a football game? Mm. Uh, well, Adelaide United, not a lot this season. More generally, <laughs> not this year. Not this year. Uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe. Fuck, it really depends. Top flight football. If we're talking Australian dollars, maybe like 40, 50 bucks. 40, maybe. 50 bucks. Seats yeah. pending. Yes, yeah, yeah. seats pending. Um. But what about you? How much money would you be willing to pay to go to, let's say you're going to uh, an A-League game, and then how much would you be willing to pay to go to a Premier League game? Um, To an A-League game, I think probably 15 to 20 bucks. Fair. Um, to a top flight game, maybe 50 or 60. 50 or 60, yeah. I was trying to think in comparison to like AFL where, you know, it's – Costs like an arm and a leg to go to Adelaide Oval these days, unless you get general admission and stand on the hill where you can't see shit. But um, this came across my desk today uh, about prices in Italy for football games. And we've talked, uh, Tommy, you and I are always dragging shit on the Premier League about its uh, corporateness and its level of just commercialism. But um, the other leagues are well known for being much cheaper and accessible for fans to be able to go and watch. This one came across my desk about the prices in Syria, and it is the fact that Cagliari, who sit down near the bottom of the Serie A, they've only just came up this season again, their cheapest ticket is the most expensive ticket in the league, and that's £50 to go and watch them. Um, and they are one of the bottom teams for comparison, you can go and watch Milan for £29, Roma for £24, uh, Juve for £25, uh, Atalanta, Inter, the champions, Napoli for £20. So what was that, 30-odd Australian bucks? Oh, yeah. that's rank. And they've just come up as well. What? Yeah. I don't understand. What, what, how, how can they charge that? What's the idea behind it? Are they broke? They must be broke. Uh, oh, I don't I- know. I think it's um I think it's a demand thing um and it sounds weird thinking um that a, a lower oh, ranked side go. down the bottom of the league would would be in higher demand than like potentially a, a Milan side or going to the San Siro um but I just had a quick look His... then while we were at it San Siro's capacity um with standing 80, holds just over eighty thousand people yeah. um Cagliari can only get sixteen thousand people in their stadium for a home game and do they do they though. You would assume, think they you'd do. like to assume so. But... I don't think they do from memory from watching their games. Like they get big crowd in like the like the ultras end or whatever, but there's always sections of the ground that are, you know, pretty scarce. So um yeah, that's an interesting well, one. Like yeah. Is it because is it because they're shit and it's expensive? <laughs> it's <just laughs> expensive. Sounds like it's 
Adelaide's United this season is going to be shit and expensive. I think that's just <laughs> the the vibe I'm getting here. Would you would you go to Adelaide United if tickets were like forty bucks? No, for GA. I wouldn't. No, no. I don't, I don't think, think anyone so, would. No. Uh, I think it's no. the prices are pushing it as it is now. I believe, like Cooper said, I think you know twenty. I guess maybe thirty bucks for an adult. I guess what is it at the moment? It's about that, isn't it? It's about that, yeah. I think thirty. Just over 30. I think it's thirty-three yeah. at the gate. Yeah, I think it's like the. I mean, I just brought up capacity then. Um, you'd think if you had a stadium that wasn't overly large and you couldn't fill it, you'd be bringing your price down to fill said stadium. Mm. Um, I remember at the time of Diamante first coming to to Australia. Um, I was living in in Melbourne CBD and Western United were playing a Wednesday Ooh, night game up the road at Amy Park, and I thought, geez, it might be fun to go and watch. Diamante run around. I've got nothing on. It's a Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> they wanted thirty six dollars for me to go and sit there and watch Western United play the play the Knicks on yeah. a Tuesday night. Um, so I didn't Gross. go and I put it on the TV and saw an astounding attendance figure of about fourteen hundred. Yeah, well, that, yeah, the Western United factor—that's something we've been <laughs> over plenty on our red editions. But um, fake club, by the way. Um, but yeah, the I think all the grounds are. They do charge different prices at different grounds in the A-League, don't they? Yeah. It's been I a long so. time since yeah. I've been to an away game. But, um, yeah, depending on where it is, they charge more. And I think until this year, we had it pretty good in Adelaide where three sides of the ground were just one price. Uh, now they've kind of changed a little bit, but you can still you can still kind of go wherever you like. Um, all right. I just, I just thought that was interesting um, that the newly promoted and bottom – one of the bottom teams in the league was charging the most for their games. Um, on Italy, though, I'll start there. Uh, Roma put seven past Empoli this week. Um, Atalanta went away to Fiorentina and lost three, two. The champions Napoli were held to a draw. They've had a bit of a slow start. Held to a draw by Genoa, and uh, the main one, uh, Inter v Milan in the derby. Inter five, Milan one. Uh, Inter conceded their first goal this season, but aside from that one good chance for Rafa Leal, it was an absolute dismal display by Milan. I recorded this one. I go, I didn't record it. What are you streaming services these days? You don't record anything. Get up and just watch it on the app. Um, I got up and watched a replay of this game, and it was the most dreadful thing I've done for a while. Um, Inter <laughs> just absolutely blew them away and just proved why they're probably everyone's everyone's top pick to win the league this season. They've just you know, they've replaced Lukaku with like uh, Turam up front and he just slots in next to Lautaro Martinez who Martinez had a bit of a quiet game this time around, but Turam turned it on and Inter just scored some wild goals, just knocking the ball around. Um, the other big game this week was Juve beating Lazio 3-1 at home. But um, there you go. Any notes from that, either of you? Any Italian football for the two of you this week? I um... Oh, please, Coop. I, oh, I had no idea you were going to do this. I wanted to fade a question to you. <laughs> Tommy, actually. Um, Weston McKenney, no good for Leeds last season, <laughs> comes straight back to Juventus. Semi, semi-big fixture early in the season. Lazio, inter off to a flyer. Don't want to let him get too far away. Starts in right midfield for, for Juventus. What what went wrong at Ellen Road for Weston if he's, if he's good enough to start for Juve? I think that you can get away with being a fat pig in the, in the Serie A. Uh, it's less <laughs> demanding physically, and no, he he um he went away on the international break with the US, and I think he was on a few podcasts over there. 
And he admitted himself that he was not in any frame of mind or fitness to be able to compete. And it, look, if you want to cut him some slack, it's difficult to come into a club that is poorly run, that is on a relegation path, and like try and make an impact uh, when you are so, so, so overweight. It's just, it's impossible. So he must, he must have trimmed down a little bit. Is all I, is all I can think. Yeah, go. good, yeah. good stuff. Solid. Go Western. Um, I was <laughs> yeah, hoping we were Western. gonna get, we were gonna get through a pod without mentioning Leeds, but thanks, Cooper. You've done it. Well done. <laughs> um, just on the Juve beating, uh, beating Lazio. Another cool bit of information. Uh, Vlazio did. It's cool for me. I love Syria. Vla, uh, Vlahovic <laughs> did a Luca Toni. Iconic Luca Toni celebration. If anyone remembers, Luca Toni was a huge part of the Italian side in the mid 2000s, scored a lot of goals for Juve. Um, but he predicted that uh, Vlahovic would be Syria's top scorer this season, and Vlahovic scored two on the weekend. And the other guy who scored, I mentioned this the other week, but Federico Chiesa, who Tommy, you and I have both been big fans of um, as a winger, Love but him. they've decided they've moved him into the middle. He's now playing as a as a striker alongside Vlahovic. Cool. And the partnership's going well. He's already scored three goals in four games this season. Last year, he scored two goals in 21 games, oh, I believe. Something, something, something like that. But either way, um, Kiesa's move into the middle has been great because it, it allows Vlahovic to have a partner as well. And they're both yeah. just clicking together. So uh, that's Italy. Um, I was going to mention Bundesliga now. Um, uh, Dortmund had a 4-2 win. Bayern... Held to a two-all draw at home to this Leverkusen side coached by Xabi Alonso, who are absolutely flying along. Uh, Tommy, you had a bit of a keen eye on this one. Yeah, ripper game. Um, it's almost a shame that it came so early in the season and like immediately after the international break. But that didn't really affect the quality of it whatsoever because this was end-to-end football. Both teams looked like they could have won the game, you know, uh, Harry Kane scores early on only to be pegged back by like just this terrific uh, Grimaldo free kick. Mm. And then from then on, it really was just good chance after good chance. Kane missed a sitter in the second half. Uh, there was a, a shot on target that just got pulled wide. Uh, sorry, a shot on goal that was just pulled wide by uh, Leverkusen. And then, you know, late, late drama where Leon Goretzka thinks he's, he's won it for them with four minutes to go. Uh, Bayern are celebrating like they've won it. And then a stoppage time penalty rescues a point for the visitors. Mm. They're ticking along beautifully. I encourage anyone, if you can get a chance, I think I said it uh, last week or the week before as well, but if you get a chance to watch uh, Bayer Leverkusen at the moment, go do it. They're sitting equal top with Bayer Munich at the moment after four games, both on both on 10 points. So um, the three wins and a draw for both sides. So... Keep an eye on that. Watch this space. I'll flick it over to Spain, Real Madrid and Barca. The two big boys both had big wins. Um, Real Madrid won 2-1 and Jude Bellingham did not score this week. So Ooh, the world may be ending. Hold on to your hats, folks. It's all happening. Bellingham couldn't score. It's just, it's it's fucked. Um, Barcelona beat Betis 5-0. And what caught my eye in this wasn't the fact that they won 5-0. What caught my eye was the list of, goal scorers in this game for Barcelona. João Felix, Robert Lewandowski, Ferran Torres, Rafinha, and João Cancelo. Um, criticised in recent years, or I guess in the towards the end of the Leo Messi era for the way they were running their recruitment and things. And now look at this, five of their more recent kind of signings um, piling on the goals, huge. 
Yeah, fantastic work uh, in the recruitment department. Although, is it that hard to just look at who's playing well in the Premier League and think, oh, shit, maybe we can have a go at them? It is not. It is not that hard. <laughs> um, speaking of Premier League, let's get to that first, the fantasy. Um, this week, I love this. Fantasy, the highest score this week was a 57, I think. Just Ooh. double-checking. It was a 57, a bit of a lower week, um, from James Davies, whose team is called Chicken... Tikka Mosala. Oh, do we, do we like that? Or not? Yeah, we like that. That's a bit of a, yeah. Round That's of applause. That's a slow That's clap. Chicken Tikka Mosala. I quite like that one. There's there's some ordinary puns getting around in fantasy names, um, but that one's one of the better ones. Uh, yeah, here I we heard it before. Here we in Golo again. Is it, you know, that's Brennan oh. Sipkins. That's a, um, come on, mate. You can do better <laughs> than that. Um, isn't he a journalist? Come on. Hooper, you your team name sucks, man. Thanks, bro. Cooper, what's with your team name? <laughs> Buddy's Boys. Dry. It's just been that for, for years now, and I've just never bothered changing it. Fair enough. Uh, Jared Presbury, uh, Prezelenko, leads the way. Uh, brother of Central Districts footballer Kyle Presbury. I just had to squeeze that in there. Um, wooden Spooners, his team is called. Well, they're not Wooden Spooners right now. They're top of the league. They they look like they could be on, on course to challenge for the Night Shift Fantasy Trophy, Ooh. which is not a wooden spoon. It's a genuine... Giant trophy. Ask Todd. Check it out. He's he's got a giant trophy in his house now. So, um, yeah, Jared, everyone go to Todd's house and look at it. Everyone go there. Jared, should we say his address? No, we won't say his address. Uh, Jared, that could be on the cards. It's on the way for you, mate. Um, onto the football though. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna whiz through a few of these because you know the Premier League rolls on thirty eight games a year. We don't need to talk about every team every week. We got some Champions League stuff we want to preview. So let's whiz through this. Liverpool beat Wolves 3-1. Not that exciting. Liverpool got the chockies they deserved in the end. Um, But Villa v Palace was a more interesting game, probably. Cooper, you had your eye on this one. Yeah. A little bit end-to-end for for most of the contest by the looks. Um, And three goals for Villa after the 87th minute. Um, They're an interesting side, Villa. I thought potentially that they would be a little bit more structurally sound than they have been. they're giving up a few more goals than I think people thought they would. Um, potentially a little bit unfortunate with the way that they conceded to the Odson Edward goal to Crystal Palace in this game. Um, but they got got back in the game, stuck around. Um, three very late goals, a 98th minute penalty and a 101st minute sealer, if you like, from Leon Bailey. Yeah, mm. they left it late, but they do. They they're managing to score goals at the moment. It's they're exciting to watch. Uh, they're going to concede a few as well, which makes it even more interesting. Mm, there was um I saw that there was how many goals? There was 24 goals. It was kind of a lower goal scoring weekend for the Prem. Um 16 were scored between zero and eighty-four minutes, uh, which means there was eight goals scored at eighty-five plus minutes. And I am mm. all I'm here for the late, late drama. Yeah, let's do it. And it's like it's late, late beyond beyond last season's late of like 93, 94 minutes. We're talking like 98th, 99th minute goals here. With the, 111, the extra time. <laughs> It's crazy. On that, how do we, how are we, a little off topic of the Villa game, but how are we feeling about this extra time thing? Like we're just going to have to live with it and get used to it. Do we like it? Or do you think there's a better way we could be doing it? I quite like it. I I think you get we're caught in a little bit of a catch twenty two where we're also booking players relentlessly for wasting time or attempting to waste time, yeah. which you saw in the the Sheffield United um, Spurs game. 
Um, but more or less, I think it's a really good thing that we're finally trying to claw back the minutes uh, that sides are willing to try and waste and wind down the clock. So, like, yeah. in this situation where Palace have scored first and, you know, reached the 70th minute or whatever and they're trying to cling on for a result, so those minutes should be added back on. Like, it's all football. It's for the fans. They want to see a product. Like, let's do it. Let's play 100 minutes. Who cares? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I um I saw a it's interesting you brought that up with this game I've just gone back and found it then I saw a statistic on Twitter during the week um about this this thing in particular that we're talking about um in this match between Villa and Crystal Palace the ball spent eleven minutes of in game time out of play in the hand of Crystal Palace so Crystal Palace managed to waste eleven minutes with throw ins corners whatever they were doing with the ball out of play and but but in their hand um and then. Villa have gone and scored twice in inside 11 minutes of stoppage time. So this is a prime example of stamping down on not allowing teams to get results by wasting time. It's the, it's the prime example of they shouldn't get a point here because they managed to waste 11 minutes. We're going to give those 11 mm. minutes back to Villa and yep. see if they can take advantage of them. And they have. Yeah, perfect. Mm. I love it. Um, We, we talked about this when Dice uh, was at Burnley and just the way they would play every single week. From the from the first minute of the game, every time the ball went out for a throw in, it was like it would take forever for a throw in. The ball goes out for a goal kick. We're talking 30, 40 seconds. I watched uh Juve Lazio on the weekend, and there was a foul given away maybe a minute and a half in. And I actually I remember sitting there watching, and then the crowd, the 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 camera was on the crowd and stuff, and nothing, it wasn't a major tackle, like no one was hurt or anything, but it took another 30 seconds for the game to restart. Like it was just people getting into position and stuff and taking their time. It's like, get the fuck on with the game, get the ball in play. Um, I just don't know if maybe a stop clock is the better way to go, but probably not. I feel like that would be way too against the traditions of football. Maybe uh, we'll just stick yeah. to uh, stick to bulk extra time. I, yeah. I feel it kills the essence of the the forever running clock. I really like that aspect. Of yeah, the game. I do too. Um, Fulham beat Luton one nil. Crickets from us, no one cares, I don't think. Um, Luton continuing on their horrid ways. Fulham eh, is what it is. Um, we'll get to them at some point, maybe in a few weeks. Man United, though, this one at Old Trafford. Man United won Brighton three. Danny Welbeck coming in. Uh, the, the man Cooper hates for some unknown reason. Came in and scored a goal. Pascal Gross, Ja Pedro on the score sheet. Um, the new signing, Rasmus Hoyland, thought he got one for... For United, but it was disallowed by VR. The ball was out as well, so right call there. Uh, they eventually got one back with the the young fella scoring a bit of a bit of a bot. I think it took a deflection, but nice goal. Um, three one Brighton. Oh my god, what's going on? Are we back to hating on United every week? Nah, oh. it's done. Right, come on. It's just it's a pity party now. And any and any time you try and hate on, like, oh, it's the Glazers' fault. It's the Glazers' fault. Mm. Like, shut up. Your team sucks. Your club is rotten to the core. Just accept it. You're, you said it was at Old Trafford. It looked like Brighton were the home team in this. Like you yep. play atrocious football. You're constantly making excuses that aren't related to football. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Cooper. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to ask, what did we think of uh, Hannibal's celebration post his goal? Um he was very excited, jumping up and down, throwing his arms in the air like they weren't 3-0 down to Brighton at home. Um, <laughs> and this is a guy that made his Premier League debut three years ago now. It's not like he's a young kid playing his first game of Premier League football and he scored a goal. I think 
take a fucking back seat, mate, and worry about the result. He's still just 20 years old. He's a, he's a young boy. Um, it's just the old, like, he's got a chance at United and he's come on and scored a goal at Old Trafford. Like, and he knows that their club expects more. And so he's he's in the heat of the moment. He's fired up about it. He's trying to pump the crowd up to maybe we can try and go get something. They still had 15 minutes plus whatever lengthy amount of injury time was still to play. Oh, it was fine. He was, it wasn't like a, a Richarlison 3-0 down, score a goal and dance like a pigeon. It was a come on, let's fucking go <laughs> celebration, wasn't it? It's a different kind of celebration. No, no, I'm no, I'm with Cooper. No, I think just... it's uh, no, I think I think it 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 kind of resembles the individualistic uh, way that Man United uh, like encompass their, their team and their players. It felt like a very does, much him trying to pump up the crowd was individualistic. No one even celebrated. None, none of his teammates even celebrated with him. They were all running back, and then he got high fives. Yeah, so he sh- he should have been too. He was. We want him to instantly be back. Before the he ball. could even move, he was yep. too far out. I want you. <laughs> you guys are dicks. Sam's a United sympathizer these days. Yeah, Who that's what thought? It is. You're the one that works for Port Adelaide. You simp. Right. <laughs> um, we're never supposed to bring that up, are we? Do you want me to delete that later? <laughs> we're gonna get him sacked, or he's gonna get banned from the pod. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not gonna have any comments about Port on this pod. All right. Um, no, nah, I'm, I'm all for it. He was pumped up. Get him going. Who cares? You guys are sooks. Um, Speaking of sooks, else? Uh, did, you hear, else Brighton and did you hear? Know. Yeah, did you hear Ten Hag's um, like sorting hat of shit excuses this week? I'm, I'm enjoying this every week. He's got a new. Yeah, what was it? A new different one this week. Um, all teams have spent a lot of money. Brighton <laughs> have spent money. Anyone care to guess how much before. Brighton's entire? He has used this before. He tried to make a larger point about how they've got injuries and they can't. I mean, they do have a few injuries, yes. I think they've got the most in the league. But, you know, I think top of the list is Tom Heaton. And so when you're talking about Tom Heaton as a fucking injured player, I don't think that really counts. Um, But he was trying to make this point that when they go in for players, prices become elevated and whatever else. Uh, But does anyone just care to guess how much Brighton's entire first 11 was purchased for at the start of this game? Tell us. 16.2 million pounds. <laughs> That's their starting just, 11. Just on what you said then too about Ten Hag's comments about when, when United are going for players, prices become elevated. Good. Like, <laughs> I support Liverpool and it might happen to them too, but fucking oath these smaller clubs should milk the piss Agreed. out of these big clubs every time. <laughs> they have spent years buying their way to titles and ensuring that these small clubs can't compete. So uh-huh. why not Why not take them for all they're worth? Yep, thank you. Well, in, in Ten Hag's case, he just keeps donating money back to Ajax. Um, <laughs> you know, 80 million to Dortmund for a player that doesn't even want to play for them. He's going to go Maybe back it's... there in two years and win yeah. the Champions League. Completely <laughs> <laughs> agree. Um, I noticed Gary Neville having a big sook again. This... um. The old, that group, the Gary Neville and Co. and Roy Kent, they remind me of all the old Australian cricketers now that are just like, you know, why isn't everyone as good as we were? Um, something's incredibly wrong if you're not. And it always comes back to like Gary Neville's going on about the Glazer thing and investment. Like, how much more money do you want to spend? What's, what do you need? What is completely wrong there? What do you need fixed? Because if it's a culture thing, I don't, understand what you want that guy to do about it. Like 
I I don't know. I just don't know where you start with it. I don't know how it can possibly it's... be. I'm not. By the way, this is not me defending owners. All right, um, Arsenal have had their problems with Kroenke and so on. But at the end of the day, they were still investing money into the team. At the end of the day, somebody else has to take responsibility too. I mean, it's it's like that thing. Who would you prefer? Would you prefer a, a Todd Bowley type character, or I mean, even Brighton? Brighton, um, I think, owe loans to a single individual upwards of three hundred and fifty million pounds, which are going to have to be cashed in at some point as well. So, this kind of thing could all come unraveling for them. But you know, the argument that the it's money that they're not spending their own money; they're spending the club's money, money that they have accumulated from spending heaps of money in the 90s and being able to bully teams and, you know, having a great academy yeah. uh, list that came through. They and super-duper fortunate for that, and they managed to hold that longevity and cash in at that point. Um, but if they were any good, you would be making that money back. And so at the moment, they're just seeing it as loss, 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 because it is a loss, but it's because you're spending the money poorly. The money is there. And you want to talk about culture. What kind of – this club's always had a shit culture. <laughs> It's never been constantly high turnover of players, players leaving and bagging it, players, you know, getting forced out when they didn't need to, uh, didn't, you know, shouldn't have been. It's just bullshit. It's, we, it's oh, very, here we go. You've got me doing it. <laughs> no, it's very, it's a great comparison. The, the ex Australian cricketers as well. It's, it's very much, if these guys cared, these old heads, this, these boys clubs as, as they are, if you will, um, if they cared half as much as they genuinely, if they actually believe they do or as they as they like to say they do, they, you know, go back and find a way to help out, donate some time, work with some young kids, teach them or you give them all your football knowledge you reckon you've got rather than getting them doled up under lights on TV and just talking shit about the people that are trying to do the right thing and fix the club every single week. They've gone and pissed all this money away on Salford instead of going back and donating some time and some funds into the youth of Man United. If they really cared, they might have done that. Love that. Yeah. All right, we'll keep it moving. Um, but cop that United eat shit. I hope it continues. Um, sorry if you're a Man United listener to this pod, but also not sorry. Uh, Brighton. We I'm can't sorry have any left by this point. Brighton, I'm sorry to you that we didn't really talk talk about you much, but uh, good job, well done, guys. If you're listening, Brighton players. <laughs> Spurs <laughs> beat Sheffield two one, Tommy, and you're loving the Ange chain at the moment. Just quickly run us through this one. I am. Uh, I just, I, I love the idea that this is Pascal Gross's favorite podcast. That would be brilliant. We should get yeah. more Brighton listeners. Um, limbs, Sam Scenes, Viva Lange. Um, screw it. I love Spurs. I, I'm so on the bandwagon. If I can't have a team in the Prem, then I think Spurs are the one. Because, it, you know, it's making me, it's making me fall in love with it again. Because it yeah. feels authentic and real. And I'm just, I'm enjoying every moment of it. Um, did you see Ange's comments after about the uh he was asked about fans' expectations um and like what he had to say about it and can the can the team live up and Ange basically said let them let the fans get excited. Let them like lose it. This is what they've this is their thing. Like they have to deal with the pain of losses, they can have the excitement, and it's up to the players and the team now to try um and and match that level of expectation. He didn't. I just feel like it's a, he's he's got a great way with words in this sense where he hasn't said people have misinterpreted it to say he thinks they're going to go win the league and stuff. Now it's not what he's saying yeah, at all. Which he's is just so saying no. he's saying it's our job to try and live up to the expectations and do our best, but to let the fans go for it. And why wouldn't you, as a fan, have 
you know, an expectation of winning every game. Like, isn't that the idea that you go to watch your team win? And then when you do win, shouldn't you be allowed to celebrate it? Even if it is a hundredth minute winner against Sheffield United, like it's this whole, Arsenal went through it last season where they were accused of celebrating too much and getting ahead of themselves and all that crap. It's like you go to an individual football game to enjoy it. And if you get a wonderful moment like they did, then so you should like, come on. And if you can't, you can't celebrate being champions in September. When are you going to be able to? They're Spurs. Mm. I want to hear Man United's culture argument again when uh, <laughs> when teams are celebrating too much. <laughs> yeah, bring it back. Um, I've just, I've yeah, I've loved every moment of Ant Postacoglu, and he, though, like you said, he's so good with words, but he he doesn't say too much. He very simply lays out his thoughts, and so it's weird to me that people can misconstrue it because it's just not there. Cooper, our boy, uh, we, I think you and I, maybe Tom as well, we still got a little bit of stock. We got a few shares in Richarlison still that we're hoping to cash in <laughs> on at some point. He came on, got a goal, Pigeon got boy. an assist, got an assist in a in a big three points. Yeah, finally, is this is this the the confidence he he potentially needed and the he's got and it the in breakout? Him. And I think you know it's it could help him so much that you know um, Andrew's gone to Son up front. And he's not just, you know, we spoke about Richarlison getting chance after chance after chance and it wasn't working for him. Sometimes what you need is the opportunity to come on and run at tired defenders and and score a goal in in a scenario that you might not have, get yourself in a position that you might not have been able to if you'd played, what, 97 minutes before this. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, he's come on and it's, and it's worked for them. So props to him for for not being so down on himself for finding himself out of this starting 11 and, and deciding to come on and, and make an impact and props to Ange for, for doing it as well. Um, And I agree, let them celebrate, you know, in 36 weeks time in this three points they picked up on this day might be the difference between Champions League football and Europa League football. So celebrate every moment you get. Yeah, Hell beauty. Yeah. Um, I find it much more enjoyable to watch this Spurs team, even though I'm an Arsenal fan, but there's no Harry Kane and there's no Eric Dyer. So it's just like watching another Ange team, really. I don't doesn't bother me now. It's fine. <laughs> Big it's um, North London derby coming up this week as well. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's move on. Champions League preview. It starts this week. Uh, by the time people hear this, a bunch of games will have been played already. Uh, there's a few Wednesday morning games. We're recording late Tuesday night on the 19th of September. It all gets underway. We'll go through the groups chronologically. I just want a quick comment from each of you. Group A, Galatasaray, Copenhagen, Bayern Munich, Manchester United. Who goes through, et cetera, et cetera. Tommy, I'll start with you. Not Man U. <laughs> Not Man U. They will be playing Europa League football. Okay. I don't, look, I can't tell you who's I don't can't tell you who's going to finish second, but it, it won't be Man United. Fair. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna say Bayern top this group and United go through with them. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a last day of the group progression for Man United and having to play a full strength eleven and all three of these games could have a significant downfall on their Premier League season. I tend to agree. I think it will have a they'll have to play full strength a lot of these Champions League games. I think they're still gonna be good enough to beat Galatasaray and Copenhagen. I'm not sure Galatasaray are as strong as they were probably a decade ago. These Turkish teams were still kind of Fenerbahce and Galatasaray were able to compete, able to compete pretty well in the Champions League, but not so much now, I don't think. But I could be wrong. I'm going Bayern and United as well. Uh, They've got an interesting front three, though, Galatasaray. 
Akadi, Zeek, Zaha. Yeah. I mean, they can do damage. Yeah, they can. Um, it's the squads are weak. <laughs> they tend to have the yeah. they've got the odd <laughs> the star power kind of. Um, they still manage to get it's really big names, you know, um, that yeah. are just maybe winding down. And um, I don't know if you could say Zaha and Akadi are winding down, but certainly their careers have been on a bit of a downward trajectory for for whatever reason. Um, but mm. here we go. Yeah. Uh, so those Wednesday morning that gets uh, Thursday morning actually those ones get underway and Bayern host United that first game there. So set your watches to not watch that, but probably <laughs> a different game. Um, also Thursday morning, Group B gets underway. Arsenal, PSV, Sevilla, and Lawrence Cooper. Yeah. Um. Interesting group. Um. Yeah. I think Arsenal top the group and you toss a coin probably between Sevilla and PSV, but I think Sevilla probably go through. Yeah, that's fair, Tommy. Yeah, maybe. Severe a bit. I mean, they're warming into this season, I think. Um, did they get their first win on the weekend? They won 1-0, I believe. Yeah, narrowly um, avoided have... relegation last year, didn't they? Yeah, and that strengthened somewhat. I think uh, Sergio Ramos is now playing centre-back for them again, so that's that's a fun story to him go back to his um, boyhood club. He's he's reunited with someone else there. But you, you'll hear all about it on the coverage. I'm not as convinced that Sevilla can get this done, um, but it's it's a fairly weak group. I mean, Arsenal couldn't have asked for much more. Yeah, fair. Um, Lance probably going to struggle. They had a great season last year in the in league, uh, yeah. um, but they, uh, yeah, they not not got off to it as well this season. Uh, they're probably going to struggle in here again, competing in both tournaments at once. But Arsenal, I'm favouring to go through with. PSV in that one in second. Um, Group C, also Thursday morning. Uh, Real Madrid, Union Berlin, SC Braga and Napoli, the Italian champions and Spanish champions facing off in this one. Mm, Interesting group. I would have, prior to the season starting, had this down as the most interesting one, as in there could have been an upset with Union potentially um, sneaking a place in this. But the way Napoli and Union have started their seasons, um, it's a slow start. Yeah, it's almost a feature of a lot of these teams that they haven't really hit the ground running as yet, um, whereas Real Madrid have, and they've strengthened so well. I mean, they're going to, they'll piss this in, I think. Um, You could almost see them getting the clean sweep, 18 points. And then, you know, you'll probably have Napoli potentially on on 10, 11, 12 coming in second behind them. um, Because it's just, I would love to see Union do well. Um, It's such a huge moment for them to be in the Champions League and doing this and mixing it with the big boys. But uh, yeah, Europa League looks the most likely for them. Yeah, um, Tom pretty well wrapped it up for me. I think Madrid topped this group. Napoli will go through with them pretty comfortably, I think. Yeah. Um, Napoli got a bit to a bit to come back and, and play for and show in this because they, they really let themselves down, I think, towards the back end of their Champions League campaign. Um, not to take anything away from from Inter going through to that final, but that really probably should have been... Well, they were, they were knocked City. out by Milan. Sorry, Milan, you're right, yeah. Yeah, which makes it even more... It, which proves your point even more, I feel. But yeah. Hammers yeah. at home. Um, yeah, I think, I think um, they'll probably get a draw in one of those games, Madrid-Napoli, and they'll both win all their other games. Real Madrid probably winning at home against Napoli being the one that makes them top of the group. I'm still... I'm not ready to put any doubt on Napoli yet, despite their slow start this year, uh, backing mm. up, backing up Serie A with the, I guess the expectation in Naples 
for like that club. It pretty much the whole city breathes Napoli. So um, them going on that champion, champion, um, championship winning run last year or last season really would have sucked a lot of energy out. It's hard to really go out and back that up mentally. And I, I think they'll ease back into it and Champions League might be a good way for them to do that. Uh, with yeah. some weaker opposition, they start off away to Braga. Uh, no disrespect to Braga, but Napoli should be taking care of them. They can be tricky away fixtures though in Europe, I guess. Um, Group D, Benfica, Salzburg, Real Sociedad and Inter. I mean, it kind of just, for me, this group illustrates my lack of knowledge of European football because I look at this and I think, well, there's only one team in it. Yeah, and but we that's do this fair. every that's time. Fair. We, that's fair. But we do this every every year with the Portuguese teams because you think ah, Benfica's not going to do fuck all, and then they wind up in a quarterfinal, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe they're pretty good. Yeah, we do. But I mean, Inter, Inter, and I think they're going to win Serie A, and they're you know they've conceded one goal this year so far, so they're surely they're stomping this group in, Cooper. Yeah, Inter win this easy. Um, I think Tom's right though. Ben, Benfica, you know, we don't we often don't talk that side of Europe as much until Champions League or Europa League comes around. Um, but Sociedad have had quite the slow start in in Spain this season, so there's no reason that, you know, Benfica on their day or Salzburg even can't win games that they need to. Yep, absolutely. Think, that one, do, go on. Do, do you think Inter's maybe a smoky uh, for the final? Uh, again? Yeah. I don't know if they're a smoky. I don't think you can call them a smoky if they made it last season. True, I think they're, they're one of I, the... One of the top teams. Yes, no, definitely. But I still think you would classify them not the top four in Europe. Probably not, no. But I think yeah. what, what ends up happening is like, I don't know, this is where the Champions League is really tough to call. And that's why I don't think many people put a whole lot of bets on who's going to win. And because mm. really, until it comes down to the the round of 16 and quarterfinal draw, especially the quarterfinal draw where they, they redraw who got through from the round of 16. It's real. That's that's where um, you know you want a little bit of luck there if you're an Inter, oh, you know, and you can get the the good ride through. Um, not not discrediting what they did last year to get there, but um, yeah, I've got them winning this group. That's also Thursday morning. That one kicking off Group E. So these ones kick off in the morning. By the time you listen to this, these games have probably been played. The openers, but Group E has Feyenoord, Celtic, Lazio, and Atletico Madrid. I feel uh, this is such a missed opportunity for Ange at Celtic. He could same. have got them out of this group. I believe so too. I don't think the Brendan Rodgers team that's playing right now gets out of this group though. No, not at all. Um, Atletico comfortably top this group. Final Lazio fired it off for second. I think Celtic dead last in this group. They're a bit of a rabble at the moment. You reckon? I reckon Atleti are a bit of a rabble. I think they're just. I think there's just too much class in that squad yeah. to to lose to these teams. You know, they're probably going to need eleven to twelve points to get out of this group. There's no way they don't get that over six games. Um, Lazio have been, aside from their win over Napoli, which is a real out of out of the blue, they've been pretty poor in Serie A this season. And Celtic knocked them off twice. Uh, last time they played them in the, I think it was a Europa League group stage. Um. So, yeah, I agree with you. Missed opportunity for Ange, but the way the Celtic team is playing at the moment, uh, you wouldn't fancy them to get many results out of this. They'd be relying on home games against Lazio and Feyenoord. I think Atletico will be too strong and will win the group. Mm-hmm. We're moving on. Those games on 
Oh, I already mentioned when they were anyway. Blah, 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 blah. Next group. In a couple hours. Yeah, you know, in a few hours. <laughs> group F. Uh, oh, man. Wow. This one's what tough a group. for me. Uh, Milan, Newcastle, PSG, and Borussia Dortmund. Take your picks and tell me why AC Milan will finish bottom of this group. And if you don't tell me, I'll tell you in a minute. Tommy? Uh, then what a group. I mean, there's so many sparse groups in this Champions League and you scroll down to F and you're like, oh my God. They all have genuine claims to be topping maybe, mm. you know, six out of the other eight groups in this or five out of the other eight groups in this. Uh, where do you start? I mean, I think personally Newcastle finish bottom, but that's yep. one because I really don't like them. And two, I just don't think they have the quality yet to match yep. these three giants. Um, so you, all right, rule them out. Then it really just comes down to home form. And you wonder who can, you know, set up more of a fortress and has a better record at home. And I think that lends itself to Dortmund. Yeah. Whether or not their league form at the moment is going to translate into them being able to beat Milan or PSG on the day. Interesting, interesting battles. PSG, they look a little bit rejuvenated since Mbappe got into the managerial role and got rid of all of the players that he didn't like. And <laughs> he's got all his French mates up top with him now. Uh, so, you know, they should probably get through Milan. Uh, look, you're better place to call this. I, I think the quality is there to finish second. Will they, it will come down to the performances on the night which it's very cliche mm. to say, but it's, I think it's going to be mentality and whether or not they rock up. Cooper? Um, yeah, I think I think Milan are going to... They're going to go through in this group. Um, wow. I think that they have had the most convincing start in their league campaign of any team in this group so far. Um, PSG sit fifth in Ligue 1 after, after five games. Um, they've only had the two wins. They haven't found the results. That they're, they're a classy outfit. Um, but I think Milan have been the most convincing team in, in their competition so far. I know they had a, a horrid result against Inter, but you know, they get an opportunity to bounce back from that against Newcastle in the morning. Um at home, you know, if they win that, they're off to a flyer, I think. Um PSG and Dortmund's gonna be an interesting game to watch what comes of that. Um, but it's such a chook raffle of a group. I think you're right. I don't think Newcastle are good enough to go through on in this group, but I do think St. James's Park could prove to be a little bit of a difficult place to go for a couple of these teams. Mm, it could oh, be. I, I think um, the issues we've talked about with Newcastle's depth is probably what hurts them here. And whether that means either way, if they go full strength in all these Champions League games, then even their full strength side still has its weaknesses, you know, that we've talked about. And then, it's just going to hinder any sort of Premier League run they get at. What do they prioritise? Or do you just try and take each game as it comes and put the best team out you can each week? Or do you plan ahead and rest players and rotate? Um, I think Newcastle will finish bottom of the group. I think Milan will finish third bottom. And I think PSG and Dortmund will go three, go through. I just think Dortmund have the firepower still. They still have goals in them. They concede a lot of shit. They concede a lot of goals, but... <laughs> Against Newcastle and and Milan, I can see them just being able to do enough to hold out there and outscore them. Um, For Milan, I guess, like you just said, Cooper, they've had probably the best start of these four teams in their league. But the game I saw on the weekend was a different Milan team and they're just 
maybe you take maybe you just dismiss it because Inter are that good. Um, and I guess you know Milan had a few out, a uh, few bodies out at the back. Kalulu big out, Tamori big out. Um, they're playing with like thirty-five-year-old Simon Kier and um, a young German defender. Uh, I can't remember his first name. His last name Thior, who is very ordinary. Um, and a midfield that's lost Sandro Tonali <laughs> to Newcastle. Um, still trying to play with Giroud up front, who has been scoring goals, albeit from the penalty spot. So I just don't know. I don't know. I'm, no. I'm skeptical of Milan. I, ha- I have to ask, um, just on Newcastle, just, just quickly, we, in the offset, I think it was pre-Premier League season, we did a few predictions, not your normal Premier League predictions, and spoke about a few teams. And we were pretty heavy talking on Newcastle. And I asked both of you, whether you thought that Newcastle were going to struggle with the idea of Champions League football and drop off in the league because of it and not handle either, um, or they'd continue to grow. And I think the general consensus was that we thought that they'd continue to grow. We're a month into a Premier League season now with Champions League on their <laughs> doorstep. How do we feel? Do we do we think it, it's going the other way? Well, they rested Tanali and Isak on the weekend, didn't they? And still got the win. Um, so I would err towards the side of growth. They don't look great on the table right now, but it's only five games in. I mean, they could still emerge with a good run, um, depending on what goes on here um, between January, February, March. Uh, I think it's only upward trajectory, I think, for them. But whether or not that reflects in them getting out of this group, I doubt it. Yeah. I think they would take third place and going to Europa League football. Mm. Is that still mm, the case? That's a good you chance. Third, you play Europa still. It is, yeah, isn't it? Sure. So I, Until you know, next I, season, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. It's got the little mark under here, qualification for Europa League. So I think if they got that, they'd be pretty happy. Um, either way, their fans are going to be treated to three home games against, you know, for your first year back into European football to get these teams coming and visiting Milan, um, Dortmund, whose fans well-known around the world for their attendance, uh, PSG, they're they're big name fixtures. So they'll be loving that. All right, let's move it on. That was a long time on Group F, but Group G now, complete opposite end, a bit of disappointment here, maybe. uh, uh, Young boys, the Swiss Swiss side in against RB Leipzig. We've got Manchester City and Tommy, uh, Svenet Svesda, who you just... Moments before the podcast and I found out was the famous Red Star Belgrade. Yeah, I got excited then because I thought it was a, a Lithuanian minnow. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is great. No, um, I'm uncultured and also uneducated in um, things of, of the Balkans, apparently. They're only no, a European uh, Cup winner. Yeah, but come on. So is like Nottingham Forest. Like, who cares? Well, Leeds. Uh, no, but come on. Don't bring them up. Carry on. This, I mean, which one of these teams is going to get the uh, the young boys' mean treatment this season? That's all I'm cared about. Ooh. City going through? Yeah. Top of the group? Yes, but... Followed by Leipzig? Closely? I wonder, I wonder if they will get... Uh, if they'll win four times their first four and then start to rotate. And maybe this ends up in a situation where they end up equal with Leipzig and it might go down to head-to-head or goal difference, however they decide it. Because um, Leipzig, great unit, really good football team, um, started the season well. So you could see them giving them a good game. Did Leipzig beat City last season or the previous uh, one? I can't remember. God, that's going back now. Um, 
I, I would not underestimate Leipzig in this group, definitely. But, you know, the other two, uh, Red Star and... Exactly. <laughs> but the other two have no chance. Yeah, pretty pretty self-explanatory group. Um, I think the problem for Leipzig in this group is they could beat City and still not top it. So I think the City still comfortably top this group. Yeah, fair. Um, I'm going City oh, through wow. Leipzig behind. <laughs> Go on, what? I've just checked. No, Man City beat Leipzig 7-0. So just disregard <laughs> everything I just said. What do we know? What do we I know can't of this think they... Um City through Leipzig second for me. Young boys comfortably third. Zvezda comfortably bottom for me. They are not great. Um, I do like them, but they're just not good. Um, on Red Star, Milos Degenek, the Aussie central defender, who is still is only 29. Um, he's back at Red Star again for his third spell there since 2018. He played there in 2018, left for Al Hilal in 2019. Later in 2019, went back and left at the end of 2022, and in 2023, finds himself back there again after a stint at Columbus Crew in the MLS. Hmm. They're an MLS team? They are, aren't they? Yeah, sounds yeah. like it. He's the um, he's the Craig Goodwin of Red Star, basically. Uh, sheesh. When you put it that way, I feel that feels really grim. But yeah, <laughs> it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. Uh, good luck, Milos. <laughs> um, I don't know if he'll feature much. Group H, the last one. Uh, We've got Barcelona, Royal Antwerp, Shakhtar, Donetsk, and an always forgotten Portuguese side, FC Porto. 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 Um, Antwerp, uh, no good. I don't understand how they're in this. This makes absolutely no sense. They're like on that. Sorry, on that. The mm. Belgium League has like a weird like like playoffs type finals thing that happens. In there, I don't know. It's weird. I, I haven't looked into and it that's too much. How you... Weird football. Ah, um, is that how you anyway, qualify? I don't know. I have no idea. I just wanted to throw it in there. Carry on. Interesting, because there's no there's no Brugge, is there? And no, just I, it just confused me how they ended up being the the Belgian representative in this group. You keep talking. Not... And I'll look it up. All right, not good. Uh, Shakhtar. Are they playing in Ukraine? I, I assume not. I mean, is this this another season where they're just going to be floating around Europe and trying to do what they can, I think, to battle it out with the, the two eventual teams that go through, which would be Barcelona convincingly and Porto, um, which you know pretty much happens every season by the sounds of it. We, we've picked almost the same teams that qualified last, I reckon, because that is pretty much what happens. There you go. Yeah, um, fully agree with Tom. I'm just looking at this. Sorry, just this, the layout of the Belgian Pro League, and my brain <laughs> genuinely hurts as to, I well, cannot work out I how think, this works. I think I know what's going on there. It's like the Scottish thing where the league splits after a certain amount of games, where it's, they split because they don't have a full like twenty team league or something. What do they have? They have a sixteen team league, and then it splits, and you play if you're in like the top six, you'll play each other again like twice again or something. I don't know. Uh, I love a league with integrity. But Royal Antwerp are the champions of Belgium, and that's why they're in the Champions League, Tom. Champions League is for champions. Damn. Well, there you go. I'll shut my stupid face up. I just... No no Anderlecht? Like, no Genk? No Ghent. Is what it is, man. Seems seems weird to me. Um, Well, let's let's hope that they can beat Barcelona and finish on top of the group, because that would be... Sure. Cooper, what you got? 
yeah, bus top the group. Um, Porto finished second. That's it. You just you're you're so bread and butter, aren't you? He is. He's, bread, just, he's vanilla I, Cooper. I think sometimes you just have to be straight down the line, though, don't you? It just straight back past the bowler. Yeah, it's just pretty simple, I think. Yeah. Bastard this is Porto. why this is this is why this guy wins money on a weekend, and you and I, Sam, are looking at each other like, "What? What uh, are you doing? A fifteen dollars shot?" Um, I believe. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. I believe Shakhtar, Shakhtar are playing their games in Germany. Okay, I can't I can't confirm that, but I know they're not playing in Ukraine. I don't think. Um, with obviously things still going on, it looks like they're playing in Hamburg at Volkspark Stadion. Oh, cool, Hamburg Arena. So, um. There you go. Unfortunate for them to miss out because they play at the Donbass Arena and when it's pumping there, um, they're pretty capable of, they're pretty tricky team to visit and capable of getting good results. But um, they just struggle probably without that. And I think Antwerp going to be going to be a handful at home and they'll probably get some points. So I'm going Barca, Porto, Antwerp, Shakhtar. Um, and that's it. That's That's the eight groups. Damn. I can't. I cannot wait for Group F. Like this is going to be great. I'm very excited. It's just uh, the Milan Newcastle game is at two fifteen a.m. The PSG Borussia Dortmund game is at four thirty a.m. If I didn't have a job, I could stay up and watch both. But I do have a job. So, <laughs> and I've been there for twelve what, hours. This isn't your I job. Need to go to bed. So, well, if someone hint hint would like to sponsor us and fund us to do this for a living, I don't know why you would want to, but just do it. <laughs> any any millionaire any billionaires out there with excess money listening that just want to want to fund our football content and do it? Maybe this could be our make a wish. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Cooper's yeah, just sitting no, there shaking his the head. And I don't got. know why. I'm just reading this Belgian pro. This is fucking ridiculous. Cooper's not going to sleep the, tonight after reading this is about the, the Belgian league. Stupidest thing I've ever seen in my Run life. Let's do it. So this, so they have a playoff system. They play. There's 16 clubs in the league. Every club plays each other twice, once home, once away. Makes At the end sense. of the regular season, the top six play off for the title in the championship playoffs. Right. So at the end of the regular season, a club's points are divided by two. So if you finish the season okay. with 72 points, you'll start the playoff rounds with 36 points. However, when it's an odd number of points, they are rounded up. So e.g. 67 becomes 34 and 65 becomes 33 and so on. But when teams finish on equal points at the end of the playoffs, if one of the two teams has gained an extra half point from having a rounded up number, they, they'll go down and the team that didn't have the half point will be placed higher than the other team. What the fuck? How Why hard are we not doing to, this in the A-League? How hard is it just to play football games and give three points to a winner, a point for or a draw, the and then you wrap simple, it up after X amount of games? I feel like the simple scenario here is if you want to go ahead and have your top six play each other twice in a championship round, it works perfectly fine. And there's just no question of integrity. If you just do not half people's fucking points... <laughs> So clubs don't get a random extra point. If someone's on 67 and someone's on 60, why does the 67 have to become 68? Uh, why, don't don't, just, why doesn't it just stay the same? I don't have answers for you. And I just kind of wish now that Tom never asked why Antwerp were in the Champions League. <laughs> they're, in the, they're in the Champions League because they're the champions of whatever the fuck goes on in Belgium. And we don't need to know what goes on in Belgium. We just need to know how to say their team's names, like Brugge, not Bruges. Brugge. And that's yeah. probably where we'll end it this week. Um, hope you're all having a good week. Uh, 
check out the football, Champions League. I'm pretty excited. It's all starting, which means plenty of early morning highlights to get up and watch. So get around it. Enjoy your week, folks. Go football. Yay, football. Go Antwerp.